1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Now, before you're seated, turn to one neighbor and say, the Bible, is God, the Bible is God speaking to you. Turn to the other neighbor say, the Bible is God speaking to me. And then tell that same person, the Bible is God speaking to you. And then go back to the first person and say, the Bible is God speaking to me. Amen. Give five people a high five and you may be seated. Amen. As you know what we do, we hear some verse out of the Bible or we hear a sermon and we think, man, so-and-so should hear that because that really applies to them. Well, it applies to us too, amen? So our topic this week is mastering money. Either money will master you or you will master money. What did God say to Cain before he murdered his younger brother over money, over the fact that Abel gave God his first fruits, whereas Cain gave God some of the fruits of his labor? And that is in Genesis 4, 6, and 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. And I think that uh, when we deal with the topic of money, it's like sin. It'll either master you or you will master it. And uh, when we did Mastering Money in 2018, it had been many years since I had even done a string of services on success or prosperity. And in teaching this series, 2018, 19, and last year, um, I've been overwhelmed at what the disobedience of Christians has cost Jesus. Now, I've always, in my ministry years, I've always looked at it from the perspective of what the disobedience of God's people had cost them. But every night the last three years, standing here, I've been overwhelmed at what the disobedience of Christians has cost Jesus. Because Jesus died for mankind, but his people have disobeyed him on money, and millions and millions have gone to hell and are going to hell unnecessarily because the system was literally designed 
to fund the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and not cost the believer a thing. The past three years, I've found myself overwhelmed with sorrow for Jesus. And I think that's part of what has lit a fire under me. And then also this sense that I have that the time is short because to me, it's a matter of getting points on the board. Somebody might say, well, pastor, you're just pretty mercenary about the judgment seat of Christ. Look, you know, if you get a if you get a B in class in college, you know, we remember those days when you thought that was the end of the world, you know, you got a B. Well, that's all temporary, temporal, passing away, and nobody remembers. Nobody remembers what course you took, let alone what grade you got. But the problem or the challenge with the judgment seat of Christ is those rewards are forever. Amen? So tell your neighbor, you want to do good there. So I hope at Faith Christian Center we can see the truth and now go on that God's system of sowing and reaping was literally designed to cost the believer nothing. God's plan of Christian economics was literally designed to cost the believer nothing. God's plan for world evangelism was literally designed to cost the believer nothing. God's plan to establish his covenant on the earth was literally designed to cost the believer nothing. And actually, the truth of the matter is, as we participate in sowing and reaping, not only does he replace what we give, but he multiplies what we give, and we find out as time goes by that we actually pull ahead being a blessing to the kingdom of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. In our 2006 month of money, that was the first year we were in this building, we did four weeks on uh, prosperity, but we said you got to make the money, you got to tie the money, you got to save and invest the money, and then you got to sow the money. And those principles are still true. And when you get done doing all that, well, you got to go back and make the money. Amen? So we're continuing this series, Mastering Money, so that you can come up out of debt, so you can become well off, so that you can break the spirit of poverty off of your life, and you can begin to believe God for bigger and better things. Amen? And instead of allowing money to master you, you can learn how to master money by tying on to what is closest to God's heart, and that's God's work, God's mission, and God's house. The reason so many Christians are mastered by money is because they have never seen themselves as engines in the work of God. They've never seen themselves as paymasters in the work of God. On February 3rd and 4th, 2015, the Lord warned me about time. I thought he was warning me about time. But as the weeks went by and the months, I began to see, well, he wasn't warning me about time. He was just saying, y'all. In other words, he was warning me that we, plural, don't have all that much time left. And then when we crossed over into 2016, the Holy Spirit said to me, you, plural, meaning us, think. You're walking in covenant with God, but you're living like aliens and strangers gleaning at the edges of God's field. And so I saw that, that we were in the waters, but we weren't in the mainstream. And uh, on Thursday morning, November 12, 2020, the Spirit of God whispered to me, it won't be long now. And when I stood here just a couple of Sundays back, July 18, 2021, when I stood up here, the Spirit of God whispered to me, there won't be many more of these, many more Sundays to gather together, many more Sundays to worship God together, many more Sundays 
to have the privilege of preaching the Word of God. You know, the Bible talks about this, to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, that we should actually be meeting more as we see the day approaching. And don't you know, we need, we need to be in the house of God to counteract all the negativity that's out there in the world. And, you know, we thought they were negative in 2019, but literally they had not even begun to get negative in 2019. I mean, it's just like unbelievable. It's like negativity on steroids. So, you know, I spent my whole life studying the Word of God, but like the Apostle Paul said, it seemed like we were looking through a glass darkly. But as we come closer to the end, I believe we all of us all of us, we all have greater clarity. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul wrote, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as I am known. For example, when I was a young man, it was hard to imagine. How are they going to keep you from buying or selling? Now we see that clearly. When I was a young man, it was hard to imagine how in the world could the United States of America, the great, the prosperous United States of America, submit to one world government? Well, we see it now, don't we? I would never have guessed if you had given me 100,000 chances on a multiple test choice back in the 70s or 80s, I would never have seen that they could use ignorance and fear and a virus to get their agenda done. I mean, but now it's all clear, right? It's all becoming clear where all of this is headed. So I don't feel like I'm looking through the glass darkly anymore. It seems like everything has become clear to me since the warnings about time in 2015, 2016, 2020, and this year. And I would challenge you to go to the app, review my 2009 message at Crenshaw Christian Center, The Money Secret of the New Testament, I mentioned last night the Lord spoke to me in January of 2018 to get to it and start the Holy Week Revival services, start the August services on mastering money, quit fooling around, get all this property paid off. And so in 2018, the Palm Sunday and Easter messages were called the first principle of prosperity. They're worth your review. The 2018 Father's Day Guys Night Out message, magnificent obsession. And that was about the judgment seat of Christ and, of course, these mastering money messages. My reason for meeting like this is that we must get saturated with the Word of God. Say it out loud. The Word of God, word of God. is the will of God, will of God. For, my for my life. And so the devil is working nonstop. And, and the devil doesn't just work, you understand, through evil, wicked people. The devil works through friends, neighbors, relatives, uh, social media, the devil works through Christian television, the devil works through ministers. I mean, because a lot of what is out there is not really so much based in evil as it is based in ignorance, or it's based in cliches, or it's based in what somebody learned in Bible school, or what somebody learned in seminary. And a lot of people don't really mean harm, but the result is harm. So we have got to renew our minds to the Word of God, and we have got to get so saturated with the Word of God <coughs> that we don't believe any report contrary to what is in the written Word of God. In Hebrews 4.2, it says, The word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith 
in them that heard it. And so we don't just need the preaching of the word, and a lot of that has gone from churches because the cool thing now is to have sermons without Bible in them, which is unbelievably dense to me. I mean, why would I go to church if I don't hear the Bible? Amen. But then we, it's not just a matter of hearing the word of God. We've got to take that word and we've got to mix that word with faith. So we need to hear the word of God and hear the word of God and hear the word of God and hear the word of God. And then we've got to mix that with faith. We need to get so saturated with the word of God. We become like Abraham in Romans 4, 21, that we become fully persuaded that the word of God is true and that what God's word says about us is true. And let me tell you what, Faith Christian Center obviously must be a place where people have renewed their minds to the word of God because I don't see fear every which way. In other words, when you're around people and they may be Christians, but they're full of fear, they're people who have not renewed their mind to the word of God. Say it out loud. As I renew my mind to the word of God, fear dissipates in my heart. Amen. Because, you know, this world out here, they have these great big huge boogeyman. And then they don't believe in God, so where does that leave them? But we have a great big Father God, and we find out in the Word of God that the devil is defeated, and Jesus has made an open show and spectacle of him. Can you say amen? Amen. And this is how we can walk by faith and not by sight, to get saturated with the Word of God, believe the Word of God, confess the Word of God, and take action on the Word of God. Now here are a few things that I want you to be fully persuaded about. You must be fully persuaded that poverty is not the will of God for your life. It's hard. I mean, to me, it's a very simple concept, but a lot of people have been immersed in a religious concept that it is the will of God that they not have enough. So we need to eliminate that from our thinking. We need to be fully persuaded that Poverty is not the will of God for our lives. You must be fully persuaded that God wants you to have an abundance. Say it out loud. God wants me to have an abundance. You must be fully persuaded that the gold and the silver belongs to God. I was out praying one day, and I don't know why. uh, I just took note of a tree that we had planted and how much it had grown. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, now you realize, right, that tree will be there when you're gone. So ownership is kind of a fallacy. Everything we think we own, it'll be here when we're gone. The trees in our yard, some of the shrubs. uh, So we're not owners. We're stewards. Tell your neighbor, you're not an owner. You're a steward. steward. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you're not an owner. You're a steward. steward. So when I say you must be fully persuaded that the gold and the silver belongs to God, see, if it's all his in the first place, well, that changes my whole concept when I tithe or when I give offerings above and beyond. You know, like David prayed, Lord, we're only giving you back what you gave to us. I mean, it all belongs to God. So when I give God a tithe or when I give God an offering above and beyond the tithe, I need to have the heart of David. I'm just giving God back 
what God gave me in the first place. You must be fully persuaded that it is God who gives you the power to get wealth or to produce wealth. And you must be fully persuaded that God wants you to use your money to spread the gospel and all the more so once your needs are met. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28, verse 8. Did you know that God actually has promised to bless you in your storehouses? Deuteronomy 28, verse 8, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Shout it out loud, the Lord commands the blessing. The Lord commands the blessing. And yet, it's a challenge over 48 years of preaching the gospel to talk God's people into having a savings account. You know, I, I don't know how many times I've stood and greeted people after church on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night, and people come to me and they say, Pastor Gene, but the company where I works uh, does matching retirement deposits up to a certain amount. Do you think that's a good idea? You know, it just amazes me. Hey, if they're going to match, you know, whatever it is, 5,000, 10,000, whatever, because, you know, the real root of the question is, uh, if the company said, we'll give this to you without you matching, nobody's going to come and ask me if I think that's a good idea. Really, what they want to know is, I don't want to put in the matching, so please tell me this is not a good idea. Uh, you know, if you can get somebody to match what you're doing in savings, oh my goodness, that's a good idea. Are you hearing me? And uh, so it's been a challenge just to talk God's people into having storehouses and to have a savings account. Amen? You know, the money that you've got hidden between your mattresses, well, it's kind of hard for God to multiply that or bless that because you can't even get interest on that. And did you know that God has actually promised to increase your store of seed? This is another concept that I've had a challenge getting people, the people of God to believe. 2 Corinthians 9.10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for your food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Say it out loud. My Father God has promised to increase my store of seed. So let me give you a quick example. January 2018, the Lord spoke to me, said, now quit fooling around and get all this property paid off. And I didn't think I was fooling around. I thought I was doing a good job. We had it paid down from $12.1 million all the way down to $5.27 million. But he, he wasn't patting me on the back. He said, I want you to quit fooling around and get all this paid off. And he gave me a strategy. He gave, and he said, I want you to give a million dollars toward the balance. And he said, I'm gonna, here's how you do it. And he gave me the strategy. Sue and I wrote a check out to Dr. Fred and Betty Price, uh, not th from Faith Christian Center. It was from us and not to Crenshaw Christian Center. It was to them. And we sold that. And he said, and then turn around and believe me for a hundredfold on that $10,000. And then separate from that, he gave me a strategy on how to give the million dollars. And we've been working that strategy. But uh, 2020, we're in Miami in February, I believe it was, and I'm out praying on the beach road, and the Lord spoke to me. So when you get back to the room, look that number up, because in my life, a lot of stuff happens automatically, and I'm not paying attention. I get back to the room, and I look it up. Well, we had hit a hundredfold on $10,000 exactly 24 months after we had sent that $10,000. Yeah. 
and not a nickel of it came from Faith Christian Center and not a nickel of it came from anybody at Faith Christian Center. But now wait a minute. But I had not finished giving the million dollars because he gave me a strategy on how to give the million dollars. So if you've paid attention to this illustration in previous messages and put the pieces together, you have already understood that we got ahead on committing a million dollars. Are you hearing me? And we're going to have that million dollars knocked out here probably by September or at the latest December. It'll be done. But the point is, it was, it was a year and a half ago that we had the hundredfold. So then, then, like those tulips, some farmer's wife planted out here on our property, uh, some farmer's wife decades ago, because we bought this land in 2000, 2000, I think it was. So that farmhouse has been gone for how long? But the tulips keep coming up. That's the power of seeds. So that $10,000 we sent them, that's still bearing fruit. Just because you get to a certain number doesn't mean the seed stops working. The seed just keeps working and working and working and working. But your commitment that you gave God, well, that's knocked out. But you keep pulling ahead. Are you, are you getting this? And God's people have never seen this. See, because they have a mindset of cost. They have a mindset of I can't. They have a mindset of, well, you know what it is, really? Well, I never. In other words, you know, they just can't even get their mind around the idea of doing something above and beyond. But if you want a harvest like you've never seen before, you've got to sow a seed like you have never sown before. And I got to tell you that it wasn't that hard because I'd already crossed the bridge back in February of 1997. I took Sue and showed her the place on the sidewalk. I told her, I said, this is where it was. This is where he spoke to me. There was a palm tree here. It's died, but you could see where the palm tree was. And I said, this is where God spoke to me to put the roof on Bud Sickler's church in Mombasa, Kenya. But listen to the language of God, because we thought it was a half million dollars turned into $600,000. And if I remember right, I looked that up. The church had on hand $179,000. Well, obviously, we didn't have a half million dollars to give away. So he said to me, you don't think you can do it. But listen to the language of God. You don't think you can do it. But he said, I'm telling you, you can do it. And so I, because I'm a man of my word. And when I told Bud, we're going to cover the roof, that was it. And he knew it because once it came out of my mouth, it was done. Then I had to come home and I had to raise the money. We sent the money to him as we raised the money, and then it wasn't $500,000, turned into $600,000. Then we had to stand the plate on the, on the last $100,000. But the point is, back in the day, if I had been pastoring a bunch of rascals, you know, when Mike and Janet Burns worked with us, I think we had a bunch of rascals, and we were, you know, having difficulty, you know, how do we handle and manage these rascals? But, you know, we haven't had rascals for a long, long, long time. And so... Nobody would have said to me in February of 1997, uh, Pastor, you know, we need land and we need a new building and, and where do you get off committing a half million dollars somewhere? We didn't have that kind of clientele. But the point is, if somebody had said that, here we are 24 years later, I don't think it cost us anything. 
Do you see where I'm headed with this? In other words, we got 55 acres. We don't know anything on it. We got this building. We got, you know, and we're remodeling a perfectly beautiful building. Uh, so, and we're still in the black this year doing all of that. We're not borrowing money. I mean, my goodness. So I don't think we went backwards. But the point is, in 1997, we couldn't have seen all this. In 1997, we couldn't have seen all this. And that when we dedicated this building, I used that as an illustration, and I said that when we went over there, Palm Sunday of 2000, and dedicated that building, if Michael or Gabriel had come to our hotel room and pulled back a curtain and showed us what was going to come here, we wouldn't have believed it. We, we, we could not have comprehended. See, that's what I want you to get in your heart and your spirit. That Sitting here tonight, I hath not seen nor ear heard what God hath prepared for them that love him, but also how about for them that cooperate with him? See, in other words, sitting here right now, you could not get your mind around if Gabriel or Michael came to you and said, now, if you will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit meticulously, here is where you would be in 15 years. There's not anybody sitting here that could believe it or get their mind around it. Our problem is we just haven't trained ourselves and disciplined ourselves to instantly obey. And somebody might say, oh, pastor, you're bragging on yourself. It took me a long time to get to this place. Are you hearing me? Yeah. It took me a long, but now I've got myself disciplined to where when the Holy Spirit speaks, I just take action. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you don't have to go through the school of hard knocks. All you got to do is listen to the Apostle Paul, listen to Pastor Gene, Amen. and just begin to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me into the green pastures. You know, it doesn't say the Lord is my shepherd and I'm about to starve to death and he's leading me into the desert and he's leading me into, uh, you know, the briar patch. That's not what it says. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God does not have a, a plan to mess you up. God doesn't have a plan to bankrupt you. God doesn't have a plan. God's got a plan to prosper you. God's got a plan to lead you beside the still waters. God's got a plan to lead you into the green pastures. Everybody lift your hands and say, thank you, Father God. You are good. You know, uh, one of my fathers in the faith told us one day in a smaller meeting, he said, he mentioned the group, I won't mention the group, but the biggest full gospel denomination in America, that the number one complaint of the ministers that would write to Oral Roberts, the number one complaint from full gospel pastors was, I wish you would stop saying that God is good and something good is going to happen to you today. 
Okay, now if the largest full gospel denomination in America back then in the 60s and 70s, if that was their main beef with Oral Roberts, what in the world was being taught in those churches? Because it doesn't seem radical at all to me to say God is a good God and something good is going to happen to you today. But you see, people get prejudices going. They get prejudices going. And the problem with a prejudice is you can't listen to reason once you get a prejudice. People have prejudices about races. People have prejudices about theology. People have prejudices about God. People have prejudices about all kinds of things. And we have got to, re, we've got to have a mindset like uh, the, re, the Reformation people, the Anabaptist people all those years back, that they had a doctrine they called sola scriptura. In other words, we're going to go by the word of God. That's all we're going to go by. We're not going to go by the New York Times or the Washington Post. We're not going to go by what this denomination says or what that denomination says. And, and let, let, me, let me deal with Pentecostalism. We're not going to go by somebody's dream. We're not going to go by somebody's vision. We're not going to go by somebody's prophecy. We're going to go by the word of God. Amen. Say it again, the word of God is God speaking to me. Say it again. The Word of God is God speaking to me. So we need to develop this mindset that the Word of God is higher. The Word, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Isaiah 55, 8 to 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. We just have to come to a place where we say, I'm going to go with what God said. I'm just going to go with what God said. I'm going to put the Word of God first in my life, and that means first. Amen. Amen. Above your prejudices, above the way you were taught, above your Facebook buddies, above all of it, amen, even above your wife. Amen. 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 You know, if, if I had back every man some woman drug out of here, I'd have me a big church. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and I know occasionally we got some rascal guys, and you know occasionally guys get off the reservation and adultery and all that, but for every guy I have ever lost through sin, I have lost 25 from their women pulling them out of here. But I say to you women here tonight, and anybody that's thinking about coming, watching online, the safest place for a man to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is connected to me because I actually preach and teach the Word of God. And if they're here and they're connected to me, that guy's going to fly straight. And I think, I think we got people that could testify, hey, it'd be worth 10% just to keep the guy straight. Amen? It'd be worth 10% just to keep the guy off beer. It'd be worth 10% just to keep the guy off drugs. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9.10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread, for your fo- and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So the will of God, say it out loud, the will of God is that I have a store of seed and that my store of seed increase. And that's why we say at Faith Christian Center, cash should be going where? Up. Up, And debt should be going where? Down. Down. 
Now, if you don't have any storehouses, how can God bless your storehouses? And if you don't have any storehouses, how can God increase your store of seed? So what are storehouses? Savings accounts, brokerage accounts, retirement accounts. And look at these words that actually fell from the lips of Jesus in Matthew 25, 29, the parable of the talents. Matthew 25, 29, for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And this was one of John Osteen's favorite passages to preach from when he was on the topic of prosperity. Of course, he would use the King James, for unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he, that, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And if you'll get this, you'll be on your way. That Jesus said everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. If folks would only get a hold of this, what a difference it would make. You got to head out. You got to start. You got to put your hand to something. How can God bless the work of your hands if your hands don't have any work? Say it out loud. I've got to give Father God something to bless. And I know from experience, I proved it again and again, it's true. If I'll just start, if I'll just start, God will bless the work of my hands. See, one fellow hid his talent, and so he didn't have a storehouse. The other fellow took his talents and doubled them. He had a storehouse. And God looked and said, well, let's bless that guy some more. That's what Jesus taught. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? So we're not like some churches that try and get every nickel every service. When Austin comes up here when I'm done speaking, he's not going to try and get every nickel every service. He's not going to be like one of these politicians that says, max out your credit card, because that would not be right. That's not scriptural. God wants all of your needs met. God wants you to have more than you need. And then God wants you to have a store of seed. And then if you'll do what we teach here at Faith Christian Center and grow your store of seed over time, you're going to be giving into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ out of the overflow of your store of seed increasing and growing. But you know what? doesn't matter what we have or where we have it. It all belongs to God. The Lord wants to give you wisdom to be a good steward over the money that crosses your hands. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Say it out loud. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Not just your children, but your children's children. Amen. So how in the world could you leave money to your children and your children's children without having a store of seed? How in the world could you leave an inheritance for your children's children if you don't have a store of money? So God wants you to be a good steward over the money that crosses your hands. In fact, God wants to give you so much money that you'll have to pray, now, Lord, after I tithe, what do you want me to do with all this money? Tell your neighbor, I'd like to have that problem. Tell the neighbor on the other side, I'd like to have that problem. 
I do. I believe it. I believe the Lord wants you well-dressed. I believe the Lord wants your children well-dressed. I believe the Lord wants you to have so much money that if one of your children or grandchildren needs their teeth straightened, you can get their teeth straightened. I believe the Lord wants you to have money to keep your children out of government brainwashing centers, otherwise known as public schools. Because the Word says in Isaiah 119, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. And Dad Hagen used to say, if it's the will of God that I eat the good of the land, it must be the will of God that I drive the best of the land. If it's the will of God that I eat the best of the land, it must be the will of God that I wear the best of the land. If it's the will of God that I eat the best of the land, it must be the will of God that I live in the best of the land. Say the best. The best, the best, the best. Amen. The Living Bible says, if you will only let me help you, If you will only obey, then I will make you rich. Tell your neighbor, that's actually in the Bible. Bible. Yeah, and you that are watching online, look it up. The Living Bible, Isaiah 119. If you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. Now, rich is relative. Rich is having more than you need. We find out in 2 Corinthians 9, 11, it means that you're amply supplied, you have more than you need, and you're empowered or enabled to be generous on every occasion. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be like the world and have uh, the ability to spend billions of dollars to go do a little ride in space. I mean, what a ridiculous waste of money. How many people could have been fed how many people could have been clothed how many people could have been housed amen Amen. Amen. so it's not about that for the believer god wants you to lift god wants you to lift up your eyes and see that the will of god for your life is that you have enough and the will of god for your life is that you have more than enough shout it out loud lord i'm willing if you will only let me help you if you will only obey then i will make you rich Do you understand, though, your average Christian can't receive that because of a prejudice? And the prejudice is that money's bad. Or, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. So we're going to get to that and deal with that tonight. I want you to be fully persuaded that God is a good God. I want you to be fully persuaded that God loves you. I want you to be fully persuaded that God is for you. I want you to be fully persuaded. Why would the Bible say that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children unless it were the will of God that you have enough to leave an inheritance for your children's children? Amen? See, the will of God is 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. And I don't know if you've figured it out, but poverty is a curse. Poverty is not a blessing. Poverty is a curse. And poverty is not the will of God. Say it out loud. Poverty is not the will of God. Well, Pastor, how could God possibly lift me up? Well, the Word says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I challenge you to find for me the lack in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Find anywhere where there's anything having to say, anything about doing without. Say it out loud. It is the will of God 
that I be like the Apostle Paul, and that I be amply supplied. He said, and God is able. Say it out loud, God is able. Shout it out loud five times, God is able. You just got to change your mind and you got to change your mouth. Just got to change your, change your mind and change your mouth. You know, many, many years ago, I happened to be over at Neiman Marcus for last call. I'm sure I was accompanying Sue. You know, if, if you just turn the car on and put it in drive and let it go, it ends up at a Neiman Marcus somewhere. And so I was at last call Neiman Marcus, and back in those days, I wore a 41 long. Those days are gone forever. And uh, so that was an odd size. And so because it was an odd size, there was this great suit, and I got it at a ridiculous price. And man, it was it was the first time I ever owned anything Italian. I thought, man, this is great. So then, of course, the next time they had last call, I thought, well, I'll go over there and see if I can get me another one, you know, at a ridiculous price. And I went over there, and of course, everything had been picked over and then picked over and then picked over, and then that's why they call it last call and picked over, and so I wander over there to the, the stuff they had just gotten in. You've heard this story a thousand times. And uh, because it's the harshest in my entire life the Lord's ever rebuked me. That's why I tell it. And I go over there and I look at the, the latest stuff, you know, the new stuff. And the salesman comes over and he said, uh, would you like to try one of those on in your size? And I said, oh, dear God, no. I can't afford a suit like this. And as harshly as I have ever heard the voice of God in my entire life, he said to me, from this day to your last day, I don't ever want to hear something like that come out of your mouth. And from this day to your last day, I don't want to hear you confess that you can't afford something. Shout it out loud again five times, my God is able. So sometimes I might say something like this, well, no, I don't think I want to get that today. But in other words, I, I, I don't talk about how I can't afford stuff. I don't talk about how that I can't. You need to get I can't out of your mouth. You need, actually, you need to get I can't completely out of your vocabulary. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, many, many, many years ago, this must have been 20, 25 years back, uh, I don't know what kind of a challenge we were going through financially, but Sue took me up to look at some open houses up in Colleyville or somewhere. So it was like one street and several homes, and we went through this one house, and I went one way and she went the other way, and we must have met somewhere in the house, looking at the house, and she saw the look on my face. And man, she stuck that full-blooded German finger up in my face, and she said, don't let it come out of your mouth. Don't say it, because I must have had a sour look on my face. And you know what I was thinking was, I will never live in a house like this. But thank God, thank God, thank God. See, that's why we're supposed to submit one to another. This is not a marriage seminar. But sometimes, guys, the woman does have the word from the Lord. And so I didn't let it come out of my mouth. Now today, if somebody gave us that house, we wouldn't even spend a night in it. We'd list it and give the money to the church. Amen. Amen. 
So you got to watch what you say you can't have. You got to watch what you say you can't drive. You got to watch what you say you can't afford because if you will just do what God says and if you will just obey God, it won't be but a short number of years and you'll be living in that and you'll be driving that and you'll be wearing that and you'll be vacationing there. And you say amen. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need. Say it out loud. It is the will of God that I have all that I need. Say it again. It is the will of God that I have all that I need. Say it again. See, I want you thoroughly convinced because until you see it, you can't walk in it. Until it is in your heart, you can't walk in it. Say it again. It is the will of God that I have all that I need. And then he says, you'll abound in every good work. How can you help somebody else if your children don't have shoes to wear? How can you be a blessing to a missionary and an offering if you have not got your mortgage covered? How can you give extra into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ if you're not making it yourself? See, because he goes through all of that, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, then you will abound in every good work. I want you fully persuaded that God is a good God. Say it out loud, I'm willing. I'm willing. Now let's get to this problematic couple of verses here. 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. So you've never seen anybody pulling a U-Haul behind a hearse. So you're not going to be able to take any of this with you. Are you hearing me? But you are a steward over the money that crosses your hands in this life. And when you go, you will not be able to take anything with you from this life. The only thing that you'll be able to take with you is what you have sent up in advance. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves. Store up for yourselves. Store up for yourselves. It's not communism. It's not socialism. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Say it out loud. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Again, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now with that in mind, let's go back to 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. People who want to get rich, and the Greek word there is crave, or we could say lust. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So you cannot, as a believer, as a Christian, live to get rich. It won't work. Now, your next-door neighbor might be a sinner, and they might live to get rich, and it'll work for them. But God will not allow you as a child of God and as a believer to get rich for the sake of being rich. It won't work. It won't work. And if you try it and you go down that road, you will shipwreck your life. I couldn't count the men. I couldn't count them in, in years gone by. You know, it's kind of a hard thing for me to go back and watch old messages from years gone by and to look at the front row and to look at the second row. I couldn't count them in. And 
They just wanted to get rich. They wanted to use me, and they wanted to use God, and they wanted to use the faith message to get rich. And some of them have gone to prison. Some of their marriages have failed. And nearly every one of them is out of church. It just doesn't work. And you know, this shouldn't be like brand new material because even Zig Ziglar taught all those decades back that you cannot cheat people to get ahead in life and continue doing that as a sustainable pattern. It's not sustainable because you're going to get a bad reputation. But if you will do right by people, I'm not saying it's against God or the the will of God to make a profit, but you have got to take care of people. You have got to do people right. And if you will take care of people and if you will do a good job and if you will do people right, you can just make money from here on out. But there were people and they just thought they would use me and they thought they would use the faith message and they thought they would use God and they would get rich. It does not work. But if you will harness prosperity in your heart to God's mission and God's work and God's house, you can make money every year from here on until your last day. There's no end to it. Amen? Amen. There's no end to it. And then a lot of times those same guys, when it was time to pay the big tithe, see, that's when they drop out. You know, Austin's always saying that a lot of people, their last Sunday at Faith Christian Center is the Sunday before the challenge offering. Because, you know, they don't want to be here and not commit. Amen? No point in putting putting big money in or making a commitment when you've already decided to go. Their heart's not right. You know what John Osteen used to teach? John Osteen used to teach it like this. The reason we have to get right with money is because we handle money every day. We have to get right with money because we need money every day. I noticed when the uh, slide went up for the fall power lunch, I leaned over to Sue and I said, why is it $50 when it has been running $35? And she said, well, because of Biden's inflation and they're raising the prices on everything. And so the price from the place went from $35 to $50. So you ladies, you, I'm not telling you anything new. Just since January, or you guys, how much has gasoline gone up just since January? And you ladies, how much have groceries gone up just since January? So see, money is something we're handling every day. Money is something we need every day. And that's why we have to handle it right. Because if we don't handle it right, we'll get off course. Can somebody give me an amen? amen? So once you get to the place where you have enough to get by on, how about thinking about being a blessing to your family? Isn't that a novel concept? Or how about being a blessing to the kingdom of God? Can't you see there's a difference between wanting to be blessed versus wanting to be a blessing? God said to Abraham, Genesis 12, 2, I will bless you and then I will make you a blessing. Say it out loud. It is the will of God that I be blessed so I can be a blessing. Say it again. It is the will of God that I be blessed so that I can be a blessing. 
How can you be a blessing if you're not blessed? They go hand in hand. But a lot of people want to be blessed, but they don't want to be a blessing. I want you to see the distinction because the devil uses scripture sometimes to confuse God's people and get them into wrong thinking. How could it be wrong to want to have more than enough when the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. How can you leave an inheritance for your children's children if you haven't got any money? And we're not just talking about leaving enough for your children to have something. We're talking about <coughs> leaving enough for your children's children to have something. You see, we interpret the Word of God by the Word of God. I mentioned the concept out of the Reformation, sola scriptura. We, we don't interpret the Word of God by opinion. We don't interpret the Word of God by prejudice. We don't interpret the Word of God by what somebody said they thought they heard one time in a sermon. We interpret the Word of God by the Word of God. We come to the right conclusion about the will of God by comparing the Scriptures one to another. Look at 12, Luke 12, 13, Luke 12, 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain rich man produced a crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Say it out loud, rich toward God. Now compare that to Isaiah 119. If you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. Can't you see there's a distinction? There's a dis difference between being blessed for the sake of being blessed versus being blessed so that you can be a blessing. There's a difference between just trying to get all you can so you can look at the statements once a month <coughs> and be happy with what you have versus looking at what you can do for your family, looking at what you can do for the kingdom of God. So don't crave money for money's sake and don't crave or lust after money. How many people do we know that lost everything because they were chasing money? or they were doing a Ponzi scheme, or they were doing some double or nothing th situation. Look, you can bring shipwreck upon your life. You can wreck yourself financially craving or lusting after money. It's not about the amount of money, it's about the heart. You can shipwreck yourself being a poor man, a middle-class man, or a rich man if you don't have your mind and your heart right on money. You could be a rich man and crave money or lust for money. Or you could be a poor man and crave money or lust for money. Or you could be a rich man and not crave money and not lust for money. Or you could be a poor man and not 
crave for money or lust for money. It's not about the amount of money, it's about the heart. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 6, 9. People who want to get rich crave money, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Look at verse 10. And this is where we wanted to get to this evening. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Griefs. The love of money. The love of money. And we thought we knew about the love of money. It was not until we got to 2020, 2021, that we understood what the love of money can do to people, what the love of money can do to a nation, what the love of money can do to the entire world. We had no idea what the love of money could do to people. It's amazing what the love of money has done to our country just in the last 18 months. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of people. Say it out loud, the love of money. Tell your neighbor, not money, the love of money. Tell the neighbor on the other side, not money, the love of money. Look at verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now let me ask you, this is the Apostle Paul. Why would the Apostle Paul write to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth if Paul did not think there should be anybody in church who was rich? Why would Paul write to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth if Paul did not expect some Christians to become rich. And then you understand, Timothy is actually the understudy of Paul, the student of Paul. In the King James, he says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Oh, my goodness, back in those days when we were starting out, you know, we'd have people come and they'd put $100 a week into the church and they were high-minded. Are you hearing me? I think that's why God blesses ministers sometimes, just so they don't have to have ears for it, just so they don't have to hear it anymore. Amen. And then, why would Paul say this? Look at the last phrase who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Say it out loud. Our Father God has promised to richly provide us with everything for our enjoyment. When was the last time you heard a sermon about that except at Faith Christian Center? Say it again. God has promised to provide us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen. So this is the will of God. In my 48 years of preaching the gospel, I have met people who have been so brainwashed by churches, even when they get their hands on some money, they cannot enjoy it because they've had a bunch of pastors who burden them down with a load of guilt. 
Sue and I gave this church $826,000 last year. We've given over $7 million into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ since we got married. Now think about it. We started out, it's in my notes, I think the first year because of, the t because of what we were making, we tied $1,050. So think about it. Just by obeying God, we went from giving $1,050 in a year to $826,000. And people come along and say, well, you know, I don't want to hear about it. I don't believe it. You know, uh, you know all the excuses. And really, it, when you boil it down, what it is, it's a love of money. And also, it's a lack of faith. See, God says to you tonight, if you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, I will make you rich. Now, it took 45 years to get from 1,050 to where we were last year, but we got there. Amen. I said, we got there. Amen. I said, we got there. Amen. And you know, it doesn't look like we're doing without. doesn't look like I've been missing any meals, does it? I mean, we haven't been doing without. See, God will provide everything for your enjoyment along the way. Amen. Say it out loud, along the, way. along the way. As you give God that first dime out of every dollar that crosses your hands, as you go to God and you ask him what to give on this occasion or what to give on that occasion or what to give to this missionary or what to give to feed the hungry or whatever it is, whatever the opportunity is, God will bless you and God will multiply you along the, right, along the way. So we have to get our minds right on money and we have to start taking action where we are. Look at 2 Corinthians 8.12. 2 Corinthians 8.12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Look at the language of Paul. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what, it, what he does not have. I mean, if somebody had told us, when we're living in that $84 month seminary apartment, I mean, if, if Gabriel himself or Michael himself had come to us and, and shown us this church, shown us this property, showed us our house, showed us our giving statement from last year, we would not have believed it. We could not have believed it. That's why God doesn't show you your life all at once. That's why he leads you along the way. He cannot show you everything right now because you couldn't handle it. You would open your mouth and you would kill your own harvest with your tongue. That's why he says, given this offering, you, he'll lead you over here, three steps. And then he'll say, give to that evangelist. And then he'll lead you over here a little bit. Step by step, he leads us. Where does he lead us? Beside the still waters. He leads us into the green pastures. It doesn't happen all at once. It doesn't happen all at once. And that's why God's people can't ever get there. But I have not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for them that love him. Hallelujah. 
And we didn't start out in faith. We started out in love. We didn't know anything about faith, but we loved the Lord. And so we would go to church and we would tithe. And we heard about this missionary that had this project going and we would give what we could. We would pray. We would ask God. We would do what we could. See, the word says the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So the devil will come along and try and make you feel bad because all you have is $5. If all you have is $5, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. So you cannot let the devil discourage you. If you're here tonight and you're just starting out, you're just starting out. But you got to take action where you're at. Tell your neighbor, you got to take action where you're at. You cannot give what you do not have. But you, but don't get caught up in the I'll tithe when I have enough circle of defeat. Don't get caught up in the I'll save money when I have enough money to save money circle of defeat. God's people seem to have trouble starting. James 1.22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. When people don't start, they're not deceiving God, they're deceiving themselves. Positive change will not come to your life until you start taking action on the word of God. Say it out loud. Positive change will not come to my life until I start taking action on the word of God. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 6 and wrap it up. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up for themselves treasures, treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. How would you like to be anybody who has profited on this pandemic a hundred years from tonight? Talk about short-sighted. I don't care how much money is made off it. A hundred years from tonight, you could go interview everybody that made a million dollars or a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars or ten billion dollars, and you could interview them a hundred years from, from tonight, and they would tell you, I wish, I wish, I wish I had not gone down that road. There is a prosperity that'll kill you. There is a craving for wealth that'll kill you. And the thing about killing you is, killing you in the first death is not at all like killing you in the second death. You know, I'm out of time, so let me just wrap it up, and I'll have to continue this tomorrow night. What I'm preaching here... And what I've been preaching all of these years is you can have it all. Amen. What I'm preaching here at Faith Christian Center and what I've been preaching all of these years is you can have it all. Amen. 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 
You can have it all. You can have the happy home. You can actually be happy and married. Amen. You can have it all. You can have a happy home. You can have a happy marriage. You can have the cars. You can have the house. You can have the vacations. You can have the clothes. You can have it all. Amen. Because our wonderful, beautiful Father provides everything we need for our enjoyment. But if we do it the world's way, there will literally be hell to pay. If not in this life, there will be hell to pay in the next life. But if we will only let God help us, if we will only obey, he will make us rich. He may not make us rich today. He may not make us rich this week. He may not make us rich this year. But over time, over time, over time, and we dealt with that in previous years, that we build our wealth over time. This is what the Bible teaches. Over time, God will bless us. Over time, God will make us rich. Over time, God will bless all the work of our hands. Over time, God will bless our, the, the womb of our spouse. Oh, I'm talking about your wife now. <laughs> over time, over time, over time, over time. Because he's leading us and he's guiding us. And he's leading us beside the still waters. And he's leading us into the green pastures. Lift up both hands. Look to your Father God and say, Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Shout it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817 561 3400 or send an email to info at Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.